You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Good morning, Minnesota, and anyone else that's tuning in. It is the Real Estate Radio Hour. It's the week, a week before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And we're excited to be here. You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. <laughs> you know, we're doing a podcast for another client. And I said, um, for uh, a broker and, and they said, what are you talking about? We need to have an intro and outro. I'm like, you need to go listen to the real estate radio hour. Then you'll understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> he doesn't have Andy in the background though, or she, he or she doesn't. I'd be that's... plagiarizing some uh, music or copyright infringing some, uh, music. Well, that's not good. <laughs> I know that's probably why I'm not in charge of anything anymore. <laughs> What is going on in real estate this week, guys? It's a week before Christmas. Yeah. And all through the house. No, but um, not a creature is staring, not even a mouse. Remember that? But anyways. uh, I do remember that. I'm getting ready. It's kind of getting ready for next year. Actually, uh, two different appointments this week, kind of for the after the first of the year. Uh, I think if people are uh, listing, I mean, that. It's not a bad thing right now to do it. I mean, even I would never normally say that right before Christmas or and kind of in that new year time, but there's just nothing available. So it's not a bad time to go live. I, uh, I think I got Andy's last listing of the year in an email yesterday. I've got like three of them I'm putting out this week, I think. Yeah, you do. Um, nice ones too. Really big, beautiful. beautiful. Well, the one's going to sneak in right after the first of the year. They wanted to. Uh, officially move out of the house and do a little tune-up before uh a little last minute lipstick as they say right before they put it on the market but um but yeah no it's uh we we i recognize that i also recognize the uh they were talking about some of the rags that i read we're talking about how the vaccine um for for this uh whatever they say is going on in the world i'm not sure um this vaccine uh is, is going to directly affect the markets eventually. And what's going to happen is they think they're going to rally in a good way. So people get healthier, rates will go up. And so if you are thinking about that purchase where you might be, you know, kind of extending yourself a little bit, good thing to get locked in, good thing to take advantage of it. You know, and, and like I said, it'd be healthy if we could get rates back up to six, 7% eventually, then the markets will be organic. Then you'll have investors actually putting real money into the market it's not borrowed against the treasury. It's not, you know, that hocus pocus, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, uh, card shuffle game that they play of, uh, you know, making uh, money appear out of thin air. But um, the uh, it'll actually be real investors that want to invest in the properties again. And so, you know, that's that's eventually where we're headed back to. So, you know, the everybody that's used to the hot tub at this temperature is going to get uncomfortable for a little while. So it'll feel like the housing market is changing when it's really not. 
it's just it's just going back to normal. But it's still busy going into the new year. It seems like this is usually a slower time of year, and you guys seem to be rocking and rolling. I, I tell you, people, I think on the new listings, what was that? Um, what was me rocking and rolling with a with a muscle? <laughs> hey, focus <laughs> on your. You focus on your screen. I'll focus on mine. Where's your Santa Claus, Andrew? I was working on that when we went live. <laughs> I think what you'll find too is that uh, some buyers are getting frustrated as well, you know, because they've been fighting inventory thing the whole time, and maybe we'll take off the holidays too. So um, we'll see, and then kind of get re rejuvenated again next year. But yeah, it hasn't it hasn't stopped. That's for sure. Do you think things will balance out for buy on the buyer end and the under four hundred market? No. Not really. I think that, I mean, that's a hard one to, that's a hard one to build in too. So we're not it getting is. inventory that way. So um, all the other stuff is kind of rising. And uh, I think what the topic is today is, uh, is kind of interesting because uh, there is maybe some, uh, quite a few options I think people can uh, do uh, or can conform to what the new way is now, which I think is going to be, a new way. I think that, uh, I mean, I think offs here to open and stuff like that, but I think people have, um, it's, it's long enough that they've kind of really thought about, Hey, how they want to live and what they need and how fast they, it can be taken away from them as well. You know? So you have I to agree. kind of adjust. Today's topic is the work from home trend, which we're all well familiar with and heard about experienced, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we're talking about whether or not we think this is going to last and how that's going to affect real estate. And um, Andy, what do you think? Do you think the work from home trend is going to last? Oh, well, you know, I, I've heard from several people, um, you know, that actually work the corporate um, jobs that, you know, at, at different levels, people think, oh, we're never going back to work. Well, that's that's the people that have managers. Um, you know, oh, well, they'll never bring us back. It's just not going to be safe. The second they can bring you back, you're coming back. They, they don't want your kids screaming in the background on a call. They don't want your, when you're working the phones with a client, they don't need somebody in the background distracting you. Um, I, I, I just really do. I think that there's a lot of jobs where you're not interfacing with clients that will stay offsite. But I'll tell you what, people that are offsite are quicker to cut when they go to make corporate cuts because they don't have the connections. I highly recommend if you have the option to work back in your office, you do it and get to know the people that can fire you because um, it's, it's just, it's job security in a weird way. I'm telling you, I know that sounds old school, but when they see you and they see you working and, and there's value there versus the, I get the reports emailed to me. I'm not really sure what's going on. Every time we have a Zoom call, somebody's you know running through the background. Um, and a lot of bosses, I'll be honest with you, a lot of bosses think people are at home screwing around, even though they're not. And, and there's an argument to be made saying, hey, I don't have the hour commute. Um, I'm tuning in earlier. I'm, I'm coming back more frequently and I'm working extended hours but not everybody has the same work ethic. And I, I, I compare that to a marathon. If everybody ran at the same pace, there'd be uh, everybody finishing in first place. They don't. They finish over like a seven-hour period of time on the same task. So everybody's skills are different. And I think that what will end up happening is, um, I, I do. I really do think, I mean, and I have a brother actually, uh, Tom, that works in some of the commercial um, remodeling space. They're not not spending money. They're spending money on air purifiers, cleanliness, how can we make the workspace safer? So all these people are thinking, oh, corporate America is dead. That's the same thing we thought about housing back in 2009. And look what happened to it. 
But also, I also think that uh, there's a corporation and companies that are going to look at this and, and take advantage of it from a standpoint of cost of, um, you know, uh, brick and mortar and being able to, you know, people have gotten used to this and recruiting better people and saying, hey, this is great. You can work out of your house. And, you know, there's a lot of measures in place um, as far as, you know, sitting in the screen. I don't, I mean, my kid, I got a, I got a phone call, a message yesterday from the school and they know how long the faces was on the screen. And I mean, it's just kind of crazy stuff, but I mean, there's, so there's measures out there like Santa there, uh, but there's measures out there that um, will maybe give corporations uh, a, a chance or a, a way in which to be able to uh, recruit people and better people, you know, and if you're, if you're a real good person or a real good employee, you know, what happens is, is that you, he's trying to distract me, but uh, there's a really <laughs> Is he tickling his tummy? I'm so glad as an aside that I figured out how to put all three of us on the on the live on Facebook because now people can see what you do when Chris is talking. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. But anyways, uh, this this is 11 years of this, just so you know, uh, Courtney. But, <laughs> oh, um, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but anyways, I think there is, I mean, good people are going to go to what, you know, all of those things like an insurance plan or a salary. But it's also, you know, and Andy said it, you know, there's commute time and that's an hour to an hour from. And I've heard that a lot. And people are getting their life back now. I mean, obviously, when we're locked down, they really don't get their life back. But uh, they I mean, I just think it's 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 catching on. And I think that's I don't think it's going to end and every building downtown is going to be vacant. But I think there is people that are going to take the opportunity um, that in. And I think a lot of this stuff has been productive. I mean, we see it in real estate and there is some good things that have happened. I mean, I was in, I was out of town for two weeks and I was able to do all my work uh, from out of town. And that's a realtor that's, uh, you know, supposed to be going, looking at houses every single day or, or showing houses. And I was able to, no problem, take care of it. So, you know, I think, I think though in our world, it's a little different, Chris, where we're um, specialists, where we're looking at a, a, a property or giving recommendations on improvements based on what's currently, you know, giving a, a return back to the client. Um, I, I'm talking to though, a little bit about corporate culture. I think that there's a lack of when you are separated and you're not together and you're not, there's not that camaraderie. There's not that, you know, I hate to say the wasting time around the water cooler, but there's value to that. They don't put water coolers in those offices just to drink. They want people to get along. They want people to know each other, support each other, um, you know, create a culture in these companies. And, and you know, you look at how much money was spent on the, hey, every day we have a chef that comes in and makes us all lunch. Or the, oh, we sit on rubber bouncing balls, you know, in our office. All that cool. Remember that for a while? I the still sit were... on a rubber bouncing ball. <laughs> exactly <laughs> my problem. Um, the rubber bouncing ball generation of I'm bored at work. I need to be in uh, No, no, sir. Thank you very much. I went down a jean size when I started sitting on a exercise oh. ball at work. Thank you very cool. much. I should probably get an exercise ball. <laughs> if you do buy one, I have made this mistake before, uh, buy the anti-burst ball because <laughs> they can pop and it's not fun. <laughs> not going there. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste. But I think, you know, we're, 
talking about like what corporations do and all, all that kind of stuff. But I think our focus is what, what is going to happen in the house and is that, is that trend going to stay? And uh, I just, I really think it is. And I think what hap- has happened um, is that workspaces in the home have gone from, you know, hey, I've got a spot which to sit down and kind of go over my laptop and maybe knock out a quick emails to being more, hey, I've got to go into a room and make a call. So I think it's become more private. And, uh, and and that's a problem in in how the houses were and have been constructed. I agree. I think for us, I um, own a mark. You guys know this, but not everybody knows this. I own a digital agency and we're completely virtual. We've been completely virtual since 2018. And even prior to that, we were heavily virtual. Um, And so for us, this really hasn't changed the pace of our work. And in the marketing industry as a whole, we've seen a trend where companies are going more heavily towards freelance contract workers, more heavily towards work from home, because you can source the best talent that way. Um, And I think that you're going to see with a lot of these bigger corporations, at least what I've heard from people that I know that work is that it's going to be a mixture. It's going to be like what we're seeing with the schools. It's going to be hybrid where you're in the office, maybe two days a week and working from home the rest. I also think that schools are going to play into this because some schools like St. Paul, the St. Paul school district have announced that if they go back to an in-person or, or hybrid option, that they are only going to have a four day school week. And um, that's a trend that's been kind of up and coming for quite a while. And that could certainly overtake a lot of districts in the metro area, regardless of what happens with distance or hybrid learning. You know, I'm just curious, though, when you have all of your employees or your workers are, are you know, separate from you, mm-hmm. are, are they task paid? Are they hourly or are they salary? Um, for us, it's a combination, but I think that you're going to see, uh, depends on how much work they do with us and um, like the flow of that work. But I think you're going to see more and more companies shift to, I think you're going to see more companies shift to kind of a production-based pay um, and be more focused on production because they see what a difference it makes to have people that are you you really see the distinction when you have people working from home. You see the people that are highly productive and able to focus, and you see the people that are not. And so companies are going to have to make that decision. Does that mean that that those less productive people need to be in the office? And how do you determine that? Um, does it mean you change the pay structure? And I, well, I don't know what that looks like. Think about that for a second. The hiring structure. If you if your screensaver is a Santa Claus behind me, I mean, how do you know who's who or what's what? Am I a man? Am I a female? You know, am I purple? Am I green? You're not going to know any of that hiring agenda, you know, stuff that they have. And it's going to get to the point of where it's going to be who produces the most, gets paid the most. And I'm just, I just, that's my, in my head, which is probably what it should be anyway, because at the end of the day, if you work hard, you should earn more money. But um, I think that what it does is it's going to get to a point of where there's not going to be, anybody can be protected under the corporate structure anymore, or the, I've been here for 50 years and yes, I only produce three widgets an hour versus six widgets an hour that the person at half my pay makes, you know. Well, the other piece of that too is that people who are more productive than others are, and and this goes down a totally different train of thought, but but people that are more productive than others are almost being gypped in the process because they're making the same amount of money as someone that's not as productive as them. And so in our world, that means that, you know, this is what we pay for this type of work, whether it takes you, 
30 minutes or an hour to accomplish it. Um, but then, you know, we're also going to evaluate the quality of your work at the end of the day. There's just so many factors that go into it. Well, that's very real estate. Um, that our industry is very, um, you know, uh, independent um, contractor based. And so you can't tell them what to do, when to do, or how to do it. Uh, if they're an independent contractor, you can tell them, you know, I mean, I'm not an expert on this, but I, I've dealt with it for years. And so, you know, we pay per task. So like the, um, if we have a file and we say, Hey, you know, these are the 10 things we need done. These are the, you know, what we need. And it's 250 bucks a file. Do you want to take on the project or not? And, and then they just take that on If they get done in an hour. They're making 250 bucks an hour. It takes them three days. Well, that's unfortunate, you know, and, and so that's been kind of the way our business has been for years. Um, cause a lot of real estate agents, and I, I want to spin this back into housing because that's kind of yeah. our, our show topic. Yeah. Um, really? <laughs> these corporate companies, I think what's going to end up happening is the benefits packages you're also going to see changing, where they're going to be coming in and retrofitting your house or helping you have a certain gig speed on your internet. Um, there's going to be requirements to work from home. So if you work up in the middle of nowhere and your gig speed is super slow and you can't perform your job properly, they may not allow that person to work from that space, you know? So I think that you'll start seeing our, our world changing, um, you know, to, to have benefits packages that, you know, Hey, they might even come in and retrofit your house for you. They yeah. might even, you know, who knows? So are you guys seeing that most buyers and sellers are confident that at least a part-time work from home schedule is the new normal? Yes. I would say probably. I think that's a good gauge Executive of whether or not. Executive level, they want their offices. They go in. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And see, I my, see it my when I talk to people. Like 50-50. It's the, I hate to say this, but in my experience, it's been the the over 45 crowd wants their office. The under 45 crowd does not. Yeah. Just not used to it, I think. Yeah, it's just an adjustment. So. Yeah. So what are the things that people are looking the bouncy for? Ball generation, Chris. What was what? that? The bouncy ball generation. <laughs> uh, what are the things that, that are the most, the highest priorities for people that are looking to move because of work from home that you guys are seeing? What's, I mean, privacy, I think. Yep. If, that privacy. Um, I think you even see it with at home. I, you know, everyone is kind of stuff the kids in their rooms and kind of put them off to themselves. But I mean, if it's long term, I'm not so sure you want them in your their rooms either. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot, lot of I, I don't know. I know uh, from what I've seen, it turns into laying in, in bed and, you know, and maybe not getting up. And I mean, it's almost like you got to I mean, if this is a long term thing, it's it's creating even if it's created an area within that room to get up and go and make it separate. But I mean, hibernating your kid in a room because they're in there all the time. Anyways, I, I, I think that's going to be, you know, get them up and, and move them somewhere else. If this is long-term, which it's turning in that way, but. Agreed. I have a friend so, that um, she there, they don't live in Minnesota, but they, they, are thinking that this is going to be a long-term thing. So they originally, they had built kind of this elaborate playhouse for their kids in the backyard and they had turned it into a workspace. So her and her husband could kind of rotate and actually go out to the workspace and put a heater out there. Well, they, they liked it so much. They built a separate, they just built a separate 
basically like a shed office with heat and air conditioning for themselves in their backyard so that they could have that separate structure. Most people can't do that. I mean, you're, you're, you're probably limited by zoning laws and, and things like that. Well, I was going to say, are we asking for permission or are we asking for forgiveness? <laughs> well, but if you know. could get that into your house, that would be amazing. Yeah. But most places, I mean, as long as there's not a foundation under that shed, um, you know, um, most of those are, uh, are allowed. And obviously if it was, a, uh, I mean, you, you hear about a, a studio shed, an office shed, a, a man cave, you know, and, uh, you know, running electric out there and stuff like that is, is not a problem. It's, long, it's the foundation and the permanency of it. Um, if it's permanent, then it becomes a structure. If not, it's just a utility or a storage kind of area. That's a lot easier to get past, you know, and that's the thing that when, I, when we were, you were, this topic came up, I was thinking about, you know, how do you, you know, um, get your own home rather than going and buying something, uh, you know, and spending a bunch of money, but how can you make your room or make it more marketable now, you know, because of this trend. And, uh, and that was one of the things I was thinking about because, I mean, you start adding on um, to a house. I mean, anytime you're adding on space, if you can use the space that you have within it, I mean, it's a lot less expensive than, than adding on to it. And uh, when you add on to your house, there's a lot of dynamics that um, can multiply, you know, and how you, you know, add it on now, does the same, does the siding match? If it doesn't matches, then you got to have all new siding, you know, just the roofing match. And then if that doesn't, you got to have a whole new roof. Well, now we just spent another $55,000 that we didn't have to. And like the office or studio shed, you know, 10, 10, 12, $15,000. I mean, for a knockout, you know, hundred square feet type thing is, uh, you know, there's, it's kind of interesting. And some of those are super neat. And you can position them, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but when I work or I have to be working, I have to be inspired somehow, some way. I can't just, you know, um, I can't go sit in a coffee shop and do my job. I, I'm, and we've talked about it a lot, but I have like Buffalo Wild Wings. It was a yeah. big thing for me because I get all the action around me and I needed that. And it's just, uh, then every once in a while I'd watch it, then I could go right back to it. Some people say, oh my God, that's crazy. But this is the same thing with the shed. You know, you can turn that thing, make windows. I mean, put any angle or any area that you want it to go to. So um, I, I don't know. I think that's a, a great idea actually for people. Do you, are you guys seeing more people buy new right now? And does that have to do with the housing shortage or are you seeing them buy existing and retrofit it? It depends on their budget. I think, you know, the big uh, thing with most people is that they, if they have the budget um, to do what they want, you know, new offices, uh, what's funny is that they're actually settling in smaller spaces too, I, I in, in the house. And so I'm seeing where my office, you know, I, I had uh, one last year where we had to do an office. It was on the front of a house, you know, so they wanted to see when guests were coming up, they had to have a 16 by 14 front office. Well, by the time you do the bump out on the house and it costs you an extra 40,000 to do it. And, but it was what they wanted. Now, most people now I'm seeing where they literally will have a eight foot wide by 10 foot area and up the one whole wall, they have cabinets and then the back wall is plain. So it almost like side loads, like a cubicle. And I'm seeing a lot more of that so they can shut the door and focus. And there's a background behind them. There's no windows. 
There's not, you know, somebody washing dishes. It actually looks professional and they can shut the door. And then the family recognizes, hey, you know, when the door's shut, the door's shut. Now, I, I just did another house up in uh, the Forest Lake market um, where we ordered in a, a soundproofing membrane that goes behind the sheetrock. That was a really an interesting project. It ended up costing about 3,200 bucks, you know, for the, the consumer um, after install. And it goes underneath the plywood on the floor. It goes behind the sheetrock. It's all taped. They have special uh, outlet joints um, that wrap each outlet. And it, it virtually makes that room almost soundproof. That was 100% for an individual that does on-site recording and video work and whatever. So it was really cool to be part of a project like that. That's the first time I've ever done that. Where is the most common placement? Is it still at the front of the house? Is that the most common placement for the main office? From a, from a new construction purpose? Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I would say. Uh, that's you know, Chris, you, know, you think that I always thought this, I always thought it had something to do with the fact that there was, um, there was a, a, a flex room there. So you could take that space, make it formal dining. It could be a formal living room. It could be, you know, it's, it's flexible space. And so I've always thought that, you know, with all of our houses, because it's funny how many people will walk into a model home or a new house and they're like, Oh, this house is perfect. I don't need an office, but if this house had formal dining, man, this would be perfect for us. And I'm like, well, well, let's take the doors off, open this up. And, you know, for 3,200 bucks, this could be your brand new formal dining. And there, people can't visualize. So yeah. I, I think that's part of it, you know. Where do you guys that's see it. the second office going? Because a lot of people are now, you've mentioned a couple of times that people are looking for the second office. Yeah, if it's, I mean, it's typically not on the main floor. It goes up or it goes down, you know, um, but uh, we we just designed one that had two offices on the main floor, and one was like the one Andy's talking about, and the other one was more of a, you know, more of a conforming uh, office, and uh, it was kind of off of a, a back hallway instead. And so, but it, it it they used to be like a drop zone kind of office, you know, where maybe you'd go pay the bills and throw your mail in and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of like, hey, I'm I'm in the kitchen and I could go run and do that quick. And now it's kind of turned more into hey, it becomes private and I can actually work out of it. I have seen a couple of models and I don't remember where I saw this, but they had the kind of the same thing you're talking about. The flex room at the front. It also had formal dining with a butler's pantry into the kitchen and then a back area that could be a mother-in-law's suite or a um, or a second office on the main floor, but you can't really get that size of a main floor without spending over six these days. I don't think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, another, uh, another way I think is, I mean, the, the way in which to get these offices that we're already in, I mean, Andy kind of said it, you know, and I think when we said offices were in the front, it usually was that dining room, uh, wasted room where the, the furniture you never sat on was and that usually turned into an office, but um, obviously you can still do that retrofit or repurpose, uh, rooms, but I've also seen it where they've, uh, uh, d- done it in the garage, like a third oh, stall, yeah. garage, you know, and, and kind of block off that third stall and then finish it off, but not to, to a point that it'll be a detriment later, like, you know, taking off the garage door or anything like that. It, it was still accessed from the garage, but then if someone wanted it as a garage and you open it 
backed up. I mean, typically most people's third stall garage is um, storage. You know, it's not. Or a gym. I've seen third, people turn them into gyms. Stall. Yeah. Yeah. Or a gym uh, or a, or a workspace, but then it becomes kind of a, a, a selling and a marketing point as well. You know, that we have, we're always looking for something that makes us different, you know, than um, someone, someone else or that house does. You're laughing. Andy's, Andy's changing it up down there. He's now got a Yeti. Uh, the Santa. I'm sorry. What? Oh, <laughs> it's big foot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what? You're welcome. Always the comedian. This is what so, I did in school too. This is why I struggled with the classroom. <laughs> Distance learning would have been great for you. This is yeah. This <laughs> is, this, this, like the schools wish game. they would have had it. Old old uh, what was that Park Center? Would have yeah. wished they would have done that back in what nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, how do you you don't have to have student teacher uh, councils or meetings anymore? My my poor mother. Oh my god, she'd come home crying from those meetings. Why do you behave like this? And I said, what are you talking about? I think I'm <laughs> they sent me to, did I ever tell you? Oh, boy. They kicked me out of public school. I had to go to a Catholic school when I was in like second grade. Because I'd like walk to school and like stay in the park for a half hour extra and show up to school <laughs> late. And my mom wanted to literally kill me, I think. Yeah. And so they sent me off to this parochial school. And uh, first thing. Sister, uh, Sister Marianne, the principal, just would let you have it. There was no holding back either. If you'd mouth off, it'd be whack. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Rick went to a school like that for elementary school, and he spent many a day after school cleaning the chalkboards. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was really funny to take, like, little pieces of bread and stick it in your pudding and stick it to the ceiling and see if (laughs) anyone like cafeteria people would notice. And all of a sudden the one day they're like, you know, we're watching you. There's seven pieces of bread on the ceiling and you're coming in after school and you're going to scrape the ceiling and do dishes for a month. I sat there washing dishes while everybody else was eating lunch. I'm like with the sprayer for a month. (laughs) Did you learn your lesson? No. How important are you guys seeing like workout gym, sport court options? Are those, and, and, what price point of new construction can you get into a house with those options? Because yeah. most most existing houses, you'll have to retrofit for that. Yeah, for, you said sport. indoor gym, indoor gym or sport court or you know like a workout space within a house. Are is that important? And what is what does that add to your new construction build? You, you want to answer that, Chris? You want me to answer? So you, I mean, in that what I think getting to what price point that. that you, you know, can get into most, something like that. Most 3,000, I would say this. In, in most areas I service, the 3,000 square foot loaded nicely, like all wood floor, tile floor, granite countertops, you know, self-closing drawers and doors, um, about 3,000 square foot two-story landscaped, averages about 575 to 600,000. Mm-hmm. And that that's on a walkout lot, you know, the, the brand new everything. You had a sport court, and by the time we're done, um, you know, the sport court structure for, uh, it ended up being about a hundred bucks a square foot. If you really hundred, 105 bucks a square foot, if you look at the structure, that's with an 18 foot high ceiling. Um, you know, you do the math on how big you want it, but you know, anywhere from 40 to 80,000, depending on how big they are. 
Um, and then there, there are some people that do the half courts where they're 200,000. I mean, they get really expensive. Um, but for the normal family, it does like a 20 by 22, just something for the kids to go throw the basketball or the volleyball around. And, um, you know, that's probably 40,000, 45,000. So it's a real, I mean, it's a real price. I mean, and I think that's, um, that's a, that's a real good price, actually. Um, I yeah. would have thought it would have been more. But um, and then I think it comes down to, you know, um, uh, I mean, people spending that kind of money for that. Is that something that you want to do? Obviously, a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people like it. But um, there's other ways in which to try to accomplish that. I mean, you might not be shooting baskets, but I mean, by having a bigger garage and a, a taller ceiling, um, you can kind of, uh, I mean, move out, move the cars, have a dual purpose almost for it. Um, you know, and that might be money better, well spent, um, for you. I think you also, when you do a sport court though, too, I think you're also, um, it's a cool thing. It's a really cool thing to have, but I think you also eliminate some people, um, from that, you know, that some people are just like, just, yeah, but it's 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 like anything. Honestly, when it comes to big two stories, um, I would say it's about 20 to 25% of the big two stories, not ramblers, not, you know, other styles of houses, but so, you know, out of a hundred houses that we build in a year, probably do 15 to 20 of them, you know, somewhere in there. And um, they, actually I've got two of them in the spring preview coming up. I'm going to have one in uh, Blaine. That's going to be at about 675. Um, that'll be just about 5,000 finished square feet. We're finishing the basement on that one. And then I've got another one for 500 that's in uh, Centerville um 499.9 i believe it is that um so centerville schools Andy, let me ask you of those 15 um ones that do the sport courts what's the demographic of that buyer um it's funny how and i and i'm not well i shouldn't say it's funny it's interesting to me we see a lot of blended families where um, mom and dad are getting married and they both have three kids and they want i mean all these bedrooms are going to be full the lofts are going to be used the uh, sport courts are, are going to be actively, you know, um, fought over. And, and I see, I see a lot of that. I also see a lot of um, the uh, mom and dad were athletes and they are just starting their families and they're hoping that their little babies want to have, you know, some athletic inspiration or whatever you want to call it. Um, and they're giving them that opportunity. Cause I think part of it too, Chris, is that money's so cheap. I mean, it, it's for the cost of building a sport court, and having it available, you know, 24-7, now you're the house that has all the sleepovers. Now you're the house where everybody, when they can't practice at the school because there's no space or whatever, they want to come over and shoot in your bay. I mean, I've had that where Hannah, uh, my daughter, had a girlfriend of hers out in Wyzetta that had a beautiful sport court on their house. And when they couldn't get volleyball space, um, they, they actually, that girl actually offered their, their own sport court at their house. And the girls came over and were playing volleyball. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. That's nice. Well, and then if you if you compare that to the cost of a gym membership over however many years, it's it's it it has to be the difference has to be negligible on a monthly cost basis. I bet it's close. Yeah. I mean, for a hundred thousand dollars extra that you borrow, you probably got a three hundred dollar payment. You know, for, yeah. on a house perspective. So. That's yeah, you know, and I think that there's there's a lot of things that that space can be converted into. It's not just the, um, the uh, like, athletic space. We've seen where we put um, 
uh, a rim around the whole space so that if in the future they wanted to put trusses in there and expand their main level, that, that requires a lot more engineering though for us um, to do that. They, they make it sound easy, but it's not. Um, or you make batting cages. You can make where we put a, a garage throughout the back and now you have a huge garage where you can service you know cars in there, put them on stacks uh, or the, the uh, whatever they call those. Lifts, yeah, thank you. And I've also seen where people turn them into movie theaters and they, they tear it down and they actually have, or golf simulators, that's a huge one too. So there's a lot of uses for space. I don't think there's ever a shortage. Um, you know, or if you do a home business and you ship out of your house, heck, you could make it into a small little warehouse. I mean, you could put pallets in there and, and actually have your own little mini warehouse right at your house. That's really interesting. I never thought about that. Yep. So if someone has about a $500,000 budget, what do you get? What are comparing apples, apples to apples? What do you, what do you get with buying something that needs work done to it? And what price point do you buy in versus what you're going to have to put into it? Like how much of that budget should you save for that? Or what do you get for new construction? So you're, you're asking what to, um, make it work for you from a home. Yeah. To make it work for you from like working from home. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. I mean, this is when I think, um, a lot of people are going away from getting space, um, to, you know, make Hey, if we don't need as much square footage and this and that, and I think get, you know, to retrofit and make these things happen, that's maybe what you're looking for is more square footage. Um, and if you get more square footage, you get it more dated. You know, uh, so those things kind of come together to be able to get to that price point. Um, so I, I think it'd be, I mean, uh, building and, uh, you know, I think you got to make those smaller office type situations like Andy was talking about. And maybe, you know, um, upstairs, maybe instead of getting your four bedroom, two story, you're creating some sort of office feel for that fourth bedroom instead, you know, where it's uh, doing it. Or like we said, you know, uh, retrofitting that garage, you know, and you can do it and, and, and still make it look really nice. And, and, um, you know, it's just, it's a lot less money to redo what's in there, but I don't know. It's really, to me, that's hard to say because in what area you're going to, too, I mean, in, uh, I mean, in Andy's area, you could get a mansion that for that kind of money, you know, <laughs> and then, then <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> we, uh, I mean, it doesn't we, even have to be on wheels to... over there for that. <laughs> that story <laughs> what are you talking about christopher land, though. the it's mansion on wheels <laughs> oh my god that i didn't realize that was gonna uh hurt somebody's feelings so much yeah that was great <laughs> how, how many uh, what was that listing at chris uh it was between two, two and three, three million or something yeah, yeah. 2.3 million and he's got this client and we're live on CCO and this guy's listening because he wants to, they're talking about their listing. And, and, I, and Chris has given a great description of this house, makes it sound wonderful. And then at the very end, I said, so I said, that's pretty impressive, Chris, to have that big of a house on wheels. And <laughs> anyway, I thought yeah. it was funny. Went over really coffee well. out. Yeah. <laughs> So, so anyway, how long, how, if you need to retrofit a house that the, the time to retrofit it should also play into your decision, I would assume. 
Because with anything new construction, you're basically getting everything at closing that you want. Yeah. And I mean, in these days too, I mean, contractors are very hard uh, to get right now. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's going to be a heck of a project, but you know what? The other thing that's happened now is the do it yourself stuff um, is happening a lot more. Now people have time for the projects. You know, I've been, I've been watching Hallmark for gosh sakes for, uh, I mean, I get into these Hallmark movies. I'm like, I watched three of them one night. I'm like, Oh, good Lord. I'm like, what? God, They're all the I same. Stop. I need to do something else, you know, but, uh, it's, with uh, um with D- the DIY trend though, how does that pay off in resale value? If you do it yourself, is there is it the same as having a contractor do it or no? Are you talking? Are we still talking sport courts? No, we're talking about retrofitting houses for your needs. I was going to say, man, if you retrofit a house with a sport court and you do it yourself, and you're putting <laughs> up eighteen foot tall engineered boards. God bless you, because you're a superhuman. Yeah, you need training. I mean, in general. It, it, it depends. I mean, obviously, if if I'm doing it myself versus Andy doing it himself, I mean, his is going to look a lot better, and and my house is probably not going to be too straight. I can paint, but uh, I mean, just do what you can do, and uh, leave the other stuff up to the other people because, and and a lot of people don't use permits. Um, mm-hmm. Just make sure. I mean, permits are are not a horrible thing. I think um, I was one of those a, a big time. Uh, against them because I always said they held me up and I couldn't make decisions and stuff like that. But I think in the end, I mean, when it comes time to sell, you have to, you have to disclose that stuff. And, uh, and if you don't, I mean, and even if you're not completely using permits, I mean, do have licensed people being doing the, you know, the big things like electrical and plumbing and uh, HVAC stuff. Yeah. We, uh, I I had a guy and I'll, I won't say his name, but, a few years back where we were buying houses that were bank owned and we would quote flip them and put them on the retail market. And I would laugh because one window would have miter cuts, you know, where they're angled at a 45 in the corners, you know, the trim boards. And then the next one would be farm style where it's square on the top. And then they'd have a different colored window on the back, same brand. Just, I'm like, is that window tinted? Yeah, it was on sale. Not ever. I'm just telling you, just because you're brave enough to do a project doesn't mean that you're going to get paid for doing a project. And and there are there there's a huge difference between the I'm going to learn as I go, um, you know, and, and the I'm going to make this a business. And we used to always get people picking on us saying, yeah, you painted over all the ugly stuff. I can't imagine what you didn't do. And, you know, and people are smart. The buyers are savvy. You know, if anything else, you know, if you, if you take the old builder's rule of thumb. A lot of these builders are smart enough to know that you can't see behind the walls. You can't see, or you don't think about the furnaces. You don't think about the HVAC. And so some of these builders will go through there and do things at a, let's say a B or C level. And then the A level is the finishes, the paint, the, you know, the trim work, the, what, then it gives the illusion that it's high quality because that's all we can process, you know? So buyer beware. When will your remodel be done, Chris? Hopefully the end of January. Oh, it's coming up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, let's see. We had a couple questions. Do you guys want to say anything else on this uh, work from home topic? I don't think so. I hit all my notes. <laughs> There's no pulse left in that one. It, it's been beaten to death. It's, uh, 
We we could go to talk about Christmas trees next, I think. <laughs> well, we do have a couple of questions from last week, but first, Lisa LeBrant says, good morning, Chris and, and Andy. Good morning, Lisa. Well, by the way, who is a wonderful referral partner of ours down in the Fort Myers, whole Fort Myers area. That's oh, cool. Anybody's going down there looking for real estate, give us a call. As I say, she speaks Minnesotan and uh, she, she'll know how to translate for you. That's a hot area for Minnesotans right now. But I think they just had a tornado this week. Really? Yeah, I saw something pop up on Google about that in the Fort Myers area. Kind there, of there's a lot of people in Florida right now. They uh, 58 million or something like that's crazy. It's kind of out of season. All right, guys. So this piggybacks off of our topic for this week. What features in a house will be trendy in the next five years? Can you predict that? Um, I'll tell you. Uh, I, sport courts, maybe. I'll tell you, they've been a lot more prevalent here in the last couple of years. And, and I think those can go in and out um, over time. So I would say maybe a sport court. Um, what about uh, open, uh, real open uh, concept kitchens um, that are, are, and I don't know if it will, but I mean, one thing that's been happening a lot is that a lot of people are doing less uppers and doing more open shelving. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And so does that, I mean, will that be trendy and go back to, hey, I got to store a bunch of stuff in here? Uh, because now it's, hey, let's do that and then have a pantry somewhere else. Um, you know, uh, Maybe uh, technology, I mean, different technology things. How about theater rooms? I mean, I think theater rooms in a way are, uh, I mean, every room is kind of turned into a theater room with all the technology that's out there now. Um, what else, Andy? I don't, let's. You no, know, I, I was going to say what was cool 10 years ago becomes cool again, for sure. And, you know, the like you guys were talking before the show started about your blue cabinet behind you. And, mm-hmm. you know, what's interesting about when you do things like that you are definitely dating yourself. I mean, it, you got to be a little careful. Um, it's cool right now, but in 10 years, people are going to be like, oh my God. It's like the mauve and green and what was it? The honey oak and the white uh, countertops. Re-enamelet. Yeah, yep. Re-enamelet. But I, I would say, you know, timeless things like the whites, um, they're around forever. Um, you know, or just good old fashioned, warm, natural woodworking. People love that. The trends will come and go. I think that's the thing is that in a house, I think if anything is 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 a trend, is that you'll I think in the near future we're going to see where people do take different feels. Like so, let's say they do all their bathrooms with white enamel, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the house they do with wood, and then the basement they do with more of a whatever theme. You know, maybe they go back to a traditional you know log cabin. I don't know. You know, what I mean, I could see where you'll see multiple trends in houses and creating different feels and themes. Um, the days of the uh, having to have everything match throughout the entire house is so passe now. It's just, you know, and I, and I, I continue to see that trend happening. Um, kitchens, though, it does drive me a little crazy when we have a kitchen and you spend all the money in the kitchen to have, you know, everything. Let's say uh, let's say you have wood colored cabinets and you have a granite countertop and then you do an island where you have it completely a different color with a different color countertop. I always tell, you know, my guys, my design team, I say, it looks like you bought a remnant island somewhere that doesn't match anything else just to bring it in to be cool. And, and not, not to mention that they probably special ordered the whole thing, but that's me. I'm old school. I don't, I don't, in, in a kitchen, 
I like it to work together, you know, a little more, but that's me. I think it makes it, I mean, obviously when it's more like that, it's, it's bigger as well. And I yeah. think that's what we look for is bigger, brighter. And um, I think sometimes in model homes too, they, they put way too much furniture in it to try to show it too much. And I, I, I think it kind of overdoes it. So yeah, yeah, we all have our little quirks like that. Do you guys think that the farmhouse style is going to go out of style? Yes. That's Do what you, a lot uh, of people have right now. I think yeah, no, the craftsman, craftsman farmhouse has been popular for 15 years. And it eventually will go another direction. But, you know, one, one last trend I was going to talk about um, was the, uh, the idea of when people are downsizing and there's a lot of people really like this fantasy of having these kind of like tiny homes, right? So fantasy of, you know, uh, I'm going to downsize and be happy. And the, the hardest thing about downsizing is getting used to the, the cubic space. You know, um, I don't want to say the word claustrophobic, but almost or being on top of each other where you're literally both trying to watch a different TV show and, and making sure that you have different floors. Recognize what you do and how you use your house and make sure that's representative in your house. But the trend I'm talking about here is that um, I'm talking about incorporating some of those tiny home features in smaller ramblers where it's not uh, you know 80 square foot house, but some of those kind of cool features of utilizing storage and staircases or you know some of those neat like kind of fun quirky things um, I think would be kind of cool. Um, you know, I'd like hidden rooms to come back where we could have a hidden room for dad. Hidden rooms are kind of cool. I mean, aren't you yeah. doing that in one of your new models or your well, new floor plans? A hidden, a hidden mom's room off the closet or something. You were talking about that one day. We did. We joked about it. Yes. What do you guys think about uh, white oak? I've seen that kind of trending a lot lately. Had three people do it on our stuff, and it's uh, I mean, it is it's pretty pretty popular, but it is it's used just like Andy said with multiple different types of uh, of wooden and wooden enamel and uh, different stains. And I think you can it can it can really work. I think this kitchen is all white oak, it's stained, clear yeah. too. Wow, it's expensive, yeah, yeah. nice yeah. looking stuff though. Yeah, you know, I've always I've always liked oak because it's so ridiculously tough. Yeah, uh, the the what is it the per square inch pressure rating on it? it it'll literally la- it'll outlive you if you take care of it. You know. All right, guys. Next question. Oops, I had I went into my email to grab my uh, my link to that blog. Lost my question. What kind of aroma do you use in open houses? Do you use candles? Do you use spray? What do you use? What about essential oils? Garlic salami, Chris. You guys don't strike me as essential oil people. Chocolate, chocolate chip cookies. Do Um, you? Well, I don't. But I mean, when people are, um, I think you you have to really watch for that. I think you got to be real honest um, with your sellers as well you know if the house does smell i mean you gotta you gotta approach that subject because it's a i mean it's one obviously it's one of your five senses and uh it, it's very important but i think sometimes people overdo it a little um you know they have all the little plug-in things and they're everywhere and i mean you can almost get sick when you walk through some of those houses and yeah. it's immediately okay there's a problem here so well I that's like it, the lady that walks in the church and has has too much perfume on and everybody's eyes are watering when she walks in She's got so much perfume on. It's like easy subtlety here. We, yeah. we, like I said, you know, the other new current um, smell that people really appreciate 
is clean. They like walking in and having that just, just been washed just for you smell. And people find value in that, that it's, it's um, comforting. Um, beyond that, I, I think that if you're in an existing house, like you said, Chris, where there's a dog smell or something like that, I mean, baking cookies or bread or something, I think would be very beneficial to you. But on the other hand, it is what it is. I think that you really have to take a look at if we fumigated the house here a little bit, um, is that underlying odor going to keep, you know, uh, appearing? And, you know, even if you can't smell it, your real estate agent usually can. And, you know, I, I, there's times where I walk into houses where people are like, oh, yeah, we just spent a ton of money doing this, this and this. And all I can smell is dog. It happens all the time. And there's not you, you you get so used to it when you live there, you don't realize it. You almost need your friend to come over and be honest with you and say, Yeah, it smells like cat, it smells like dog, it smells like the kid's aquarium. You got to get that aquarium out of here. It smells like a you know, uh whatever aquarium smells like. Um, or or the little hamsters, it smells like a pet store. Th- those little things that you don't realize. I think a lot of times it's important for us to be honest with those people and and neutralize that stuff neutral and clean, I think is more valuable than like, like we were talking like tropical breeze, you know, plugins and that crap. I think uh, people, people get become smell immune to their own house because they live there. And it's, isn't there a commercial about that? I don't know what it's for, but I don't know, but it's very true. It's easy to lose your sense of smell. You know, you got a dog and your house smells like your dog. Well, you don't notice after a while. Well, I've had customers that love to cook fish and, and they just fry up fish all the time in their houses and their fan can't keep up. So you literally get to the point of where your house starts to smell like fish or curry or whatever. I mean, and these are just, you know, that's just you living in your house. I mean, that's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you just, for the next person coming in, they may not want your house to smell like dinner. Right. You know, and that, and that's what, that's what you really have to address is the fact that, Hey, this, this isn't, you know, when you're living there, it's one thing. But on the other hand, like when we do new construction, I talk to people about that all the time. And I say, listen, I know it's expensive to do a higher CFM fan above your cooktop, but let's really realistically look at what are you going to do with your cooktop? Are you going to be frying? Are you going to be doing whatever? And, and let's do the air compensation makeup units and put a bigger CFM fan in your, in your hood. Spend a couple thousand bucks. It'll save your whole house because a couple thousand on the front end will save you 10,000 trying to get your house to smell right when you're going to sell it in 15 years. We're, we're in the process of designing a kitchen within a kitchen because of that exact thing and what kind of cooking. And uh, in the back, it's more um, industrial type stuff because of the type of cooking that they're doing. But that type of cooking does get it like in the walls, you know, and, sure. uh, and you can't get it out. I mean, now, now you're repainting everything as well. Yeah. So. well. I've had a buddy that was in that. He They did egg rolls, a catering business. And oh my, by the way, delicious. Um, and, uh, they would do it all out in their garage. And I don't know if that was to code or not, but they were doing it there. And that you walked out in that garage and the floors were almost slippery. One of, oh, one of my, dad's yeah. Parties, she, they had a, a young lady that was making on the side during, uh, this COVID she was making salsa and, and boiling and boiling and boiling, uh, all day long, every day. I mean, literally wore out a brand new stove in less than a year um, cause she was using it cooking every day for salsa. And, and my dad went there to do an inspection. He goes, uh, how long has that uh, popcorn ceiling been falling off the ceiling in the kitchen here? I mean, you just gotta be careful. Right. I mean, the whole house, he said the whole house smelled great, but he goes, it, it literally smelled like salsa. And then there was so much moisture it was causing damage. 
And so, you know, it's one of those things where just, you know, I don't know, use a little caution, bring in a professional, let them take a look at it or a smell on it and uh, advise you as to what, what to do next. Great advice today, guys. As always, we are glad that you were able to join us, uh, whether you're catching us live or catching the replay on the podcast. Uh, You can find this podcast on any download app that you prefer. If you have not already, we'd love for you to give us a like and a follow on Facebook and share your questions with us. We would love to have any recommendations for guests, questions for the show, questions for the guys. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.